The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Language and content in this episode may not be appropriate for all listeners. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Some voices may come from voice actors, but the words are accurate to the interview described. What is the opposite of an Oedipal complex? For those of you unfamiliar with the term, this is a Freudian idea from the field of psychoanalytics in which a son develops a romantic or sexual attraction to his mother and a sense of rivalry with his father who is married to the woman of his dreams. This is not the clinical definition, but you get the general idea. The term comes from the great king of Thebes, in Greek mythology, who on returning to his family after years of estrangement, accidentally kills his father and marries his mother, which was an erotic faux pas even in the freewheeling sexual climate of ancient Greece. But what do you call it when the figurative Oedipus wants to kill his mother instead? What do you call it when his sexual obsession is basically an ongoing rape fantasy, where he's not interested in replacing his father, so much as strangling his mother and throwing her in a ditch? And what do you call it when Olothario turns his impulse into a murderous routine, suffered by strangers whose names he barely knows? Whatever the name for this is, it appears to be something like what we're dealing with here. Rather than adoring and desiring his mother, according to the Freudian complex, Jerry Johns appears to have hated her subtly, and relentlessly, under the guise of -of run-of-the-mill spree killing. Hearing all of this, you might be able to guess what Johns' mother did for a living, and what color her hair was. I'm going to give you a moment for what might be the least suspenseful dramatic pause 
you'll ever experience. She was a red-headed prostitute. Most of us have the same feeling when we hear stories like this. We empathize with the victims, we feel outrage, and we feel some degree of rubbernecker's delight, of unadmitted gawker's satisfaction, and we also wonder where on earth this guy came from. We wonder how a normal person becomes a serial killer, capable of this type of ruthless, indifferent cruelty. Part of the question is how one can become this kind of person and remain a normal guy in so many other ways. How can he keep grocery shopping and eating popcorn and picking his kids up at school? The other part is where that cruelty comes from. How does the normal guy go bad? That first part is above our pay grade and anyone's pay grade, really. Every shrink and theologian has been answering that question since before the first sewage system ran beneath the civilization, and it hasn't amounted to much. But the second question is a matter of motive, or at least of disposition, and a certain amount of clarity is at least conceivable. Most of the time, we never get it, but every once in a while, we do. Honestly, We didn't expect it here, but maybe. We'll tell you what we know, and you'll have to tell us what you think. We spoke with Jerry's wife, Phyllis, a number of times, and those conversations were... enlightening. You will hear exact words, but to protect her privacy, we are using a voice actor. John's family history, in itself, is a bit of a soap opera. I'm still not sure I entirely understand it, John's definitely didn't understand it, and that was part of the problem. His mother Lucy, the red-headed hooker, and his father had very secretive sexual histories and hidden lives. They had secret families and closeted liaisons they simply wouldn't talk about with their kids. So by the time John's was old enough to date the girls in his small hometown, the roots of his family tree stretched wider than he knew beneath the rich Kentucky soil. When he was 17, he went AWOL from the Marines and started dating a local girl in Illinois who would eventually become his wife. We asked Phyllis how she and John's met in the terms of their relationship. No, if you want the truth, Jerry was in the Marines and he had come to stay at the house. Phyllis had grown up as had John's without knowing exactly who her real siblings were. Her parents, too, had a history of what she called sleeping around and undocumented, sometimes unconfirmed offspring. There were, I don't know, if it five of us at that time, six of us. Like I said, my dad was married before, but we didn't know all this. They kept all of this from us. So when I met Jerry, I didn't know. Jerry was supposed to have been a half-brother. We didn't know anything about the other set of six kids, seven kids. We never knew about the ex or any of that. At that point, we were just kids growing up. And then when Jerry and I had hit it off, then that's when they wanted to bring it up. Now that Jerry and Phyllis are a couple and physically intimate, 
Jerry's mom, Lucy, begins dropping hints that they might be related. Lucy suggests she's been involved with Phyllis's dad. But when they press her for details, she locks up and won't say any more about it. There's no way of knowing Lucy's intentions, but she's creating anxiety and confusion for the kids and withholding information they need to make sense of their relationship. When we tried to get the information, we went to my dad's and he said he didn't know. And Jerry asked his mom and his mom said, when I was married to Earl, you went by Todd. I'm married to Bill. You go by John's. That's the only answer she would give. Not truly who the father was, but you had to know her. She was not a bad person, but she slept around. So we really never got an answer. There was never no for a sure thing. In one sense, it was already too late. Phyllis is pregnant. She goes to her doctor for reassurance, and he tells her, more or less, that incest is not that big of a deal. European royal families, he says, do this sort of thing all the time. And with being pregnant, I was scared. And I checked with my doctor, and he said, Phyllis, let me tell you something. He said, I'm going to explain something to you. He said, to release some of this, because you shouldn't have got pregnant in the first place because of my rheumatic fever. But he said back in the day, he said it was supposed to be royal families. They bred nothing but royalty, sisters, brothers, whatever. So he said, drop the incest, drop all that. He said it has nothing to do with it. Your child is healthy. Everything is good with you and leave it alone. He's going to be fine. Cause I was concerned. As frustrating as Lucy's cat and mouse game would have been at the time, it may not have mattered as much as we think. Phyllis and John's may have been troubled to learn they were incestuous, but they were in love. How did we meet? He came in and was supposed to be on leave, and my cousin was living with us at that time too. And they were really good friends from there, so he came to see Edward. And that's how we originally met. At my parents' house. We lived in a little trailer out there on Coleman Avenue. In the years that followed, Phyllis and Jerry's romance would have all the ingredients of a forever love story. Furtive glances at the Coleman Avenue trailer, forbidden romance, and sneaking into halfway houses in the middle of the night to hook up with your AWOL, part-time, junkie, just-out-of-jail boyfriend. You know, right out of Shakespeare. But that's where it all started. I would sneak off and go to the halfway houses when he was in there. And all that stuff the young girls do. Because he was in and out of jail and prison. He was in and out for years. He's always been. In our ongoing journey dissecting real-life mysteries, I've found a perfect companion in a game that not only captivates but also lets me step into the shoes of a detective in the glamorous 1920s, June's Journey, as someone who's delved deep into the game, playing through the intriguing scenarios of June Parker, I can personally vouch for its immersive experience. In June's Journey, you unravel the mystery of June Parker's sister's murder. Each scene is a visual and intellectual puzzle, with hidden clues scattered across beautifully crafted locations 
What I've enjoyed most is the depths of the storyline. Each chapter peels back a layer of this thrilling narrative, revealing danger, mystery, and romance. Besides the allure of solving mysteries, the game lets you design and customize your own luxurious estate island. Building my estate has been a delightful escape, offering a creative break from the intense narratives we tackle on the podcast. For those of you who enjoy the blend of history, mystery, and narrative depth we explore on this podcast, June's Journey offers a chance to live out those elements in a beautifully interactive setting. June needs your help, detective. Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android, and join me in this ongoing quest to uncover hidden truths and solve complex mysteries. As her doctor promised, Phyllis gave birth to a healthy boy in 1978. They named him Jason. But the doctor had given Phyllis a false sense of assurance when he made the connection with the European royal inbreeding. He forgot to mention the genetic mutations that have haunted these royals for centuries, like hemophilia and the Habsburg jaw. Phyllis's second son, Lee, born a few years later, was not as lucky. In spite of the doctor's repeated promise that the child would be healthy, Lee was diagnosed with a rare genetic disease, which was likely the result from inbreeding, and at 22 months, he died because of it. So this is the first reason for Johns to hate his mother, and you have to admit, it's a doozy. She refused to tell him when he was dating his sister, and because of that, his baby died. Lucy withheld the identity of his father's other daughter, and it ended up being his wife. Yeah, it doesn't get any crazier than that. Or does it? While Jerry was on the road, driving semis for a living, Lucy was back home, secretly pimping out his young girlfriend to patrons at the local bar. And for a little more context, Jerry was a really possessive guy. There were times he didn't want Phyllis to do so much as to look at another man. Literally. He would take all her clothes and lock her in her room. When we first got together, he was super jealous. And all I ever heard was, well, if I can't have her, no other man will. He would leave out at certain times and he'd take all my clothes and stuff out of the room and lock me in a room. He never laid a hand on me or anything in there. He just wasn't going to let me leave. I wasn't going to be able to leave. We were living together and there, like I said, you gotta remember too. I was very young, so I was young, naive, and in love. We do stupid things. Jerry must have found out about Lucy's pimping, and he must have hated it. Reason number two for hating her. And in case all of this isn't crazy enough, you should know the most startling, if not most relevant part of this story. When Jerry met Phyllis and they began sleeping together, she was only 12 years old. When we asked her age at the time they began sleeping together, she said, Let's put it this way. I don't know. I don't know if I was 12, 13, something like that. Sorry that it's been a while, because I can't remember the dates or the ages. 
We were together nine years and had two boys before we got married. So basically, it was only after Jerry's mom, Lucy, began pipping out his 12-year-old sister and also hid her identity from him until after they were pregnant, which deception caused his baby to die, that he became a homicidal interstate strangler of people who looked like Lucy. Fancy that. Like I said, I'm no clinical soft scientist, but there's something about this that adds up. I'll leave you to make what deductions you have. The point as far as we're concerned is that we are connecting a convicted attempted highway strangler with a strangely specific motive for a mission-oriented serial killer, which the Bible Belt Strangler was profiled to be. Remember this? We believe, and this is the one that we're really stuck on, on the seven motivations of serial killers, we felt like this was a mission-oriented killer. So, if he is mission-oriented, and he feels like he's carrying out some type of mission against, you know, prostitutes. With it being a mission, do you feel like it was specifically targeting red-headed prostitutes? Yes. Now, the mission may not to be get rid of redhead or prostitutes. Could just be prostitutes in general. Maybe the redhead is some other factor that, for whatever reason, he likes. So that may or may not be part of the mission. But it might be part of whatever drives him romantically or whatever. Something from his past. People go on and on about this stuff about, oh, you know, I bet his mom was a redhead and she treated him like dirt. You will never know that until you catch him. Phyllis also said that Jerry was smart and he had a way of staying one step ahead of the police. He was smart. I'll tell you how smart he was. He could open up a business, a fake business, and go cash checks all freaking day and bring back tons of money. In fact, we were getting chased one night and I'm like, why run him from the police? And he said... Ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. That was his most famous saying. So pulls into the police station and parks. Best place to hide because they don't look for you at the police station. Why are we at the police station if you're running from them? He said. Because they won't look for me here. At times he even conspired with crooked cops. He was not stupid. He was very highly intelligent. He seriously was. If he needed to make money, he had an ex-cop he worked with. I couldn't tell you that one's name many years ago. He did the same thing. He brought him a booklet of old checks. He went out and cashed them, and they split them. All of which call back to our minds what we'd heard earlier at the press conference. Therefore, it is most likely that he is at least average or just slightly above average in his intelligence and understands basic police techniques, which has aided his ability to remain undetected. Another example Phyllis gave as evidence of Jerry's intelligence impressed us for different reasons than it did Phyllis. Remember, she was young, naive and in love. To use her words... Now, we took a couple of trips with him, and he'd take some tampon, and he'd drip some food, coloring, whatever on them, and throw them out the bunk drawer. 
And I said, what are you doing that for? And he said, that way the horse don't come up and bug me, he said, and knock at the door. They'll think I already got somebody in here. Shit, like I told you. It wasn't stupid. He knew what he was doing. Throughout our conversations, and in spite of all the warning signs, Phyllis remained skeptical of Jerry's involvement of the redhead murders. She wasn't outraged or defiant, just genuinely curious as to who her husband really was. Much of his life had remained a secret. That much she knew. And like I said, Jerry is like, and like I said, his most famous saying that I learned early on there was, ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. And that's just where we pretty much left it. But to kill her, it was hard for her to wrap her mind around. If you knew Jerry, he was, he might have been a lot of things. But he was too smart and too intelligent. He had no reason to hurt anybody unless you were to give him a reason. Because, he said, when they tried to roll him that night, he said, I was beating the fuck out of that dude. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery holding up? Mine's been draining lately, consumed by the darkness of true crime tales. But amidst the shadows, it's crucial to remember to prioritize our mental well-being. Just like unraveling a twisted plot, therapy helps me untangle the knots in my mind. It's about gaining clarity, finding strength, and reclaiming control over your life. Considering therapy, BetterHelp offers a lifeline in the darkness. It's completely online, giving you the freedom to seek help in your own terms. And with a simple questionnaire, you can be matched with a licensed therapist who understands your unique struggles. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com foul today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash foul, F-O-U-L. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
During his trial for Linda's kidnapping and attempted murder, Jerry had also claimed that Linda's boyfriend was responsible for her injuries after Jerry had beaten him up. A farcical claim that the jury had little time for, but it remains a point of interest as it represents an admission by Jerry of his penchant for physical violence, as well as Phyllis's awareness of this. He said evidently, they might have met up somewhere again, and because I beat the shit out of him, he bit the shit out of her. Remember this? You will also probably have close friends that after being told, may have seen some warning signs, like sudden rage or rants against his victim type, will most likely be surprised that he was responsible for so many violent and brutal acts. When Phyllis met Jerry, he was AWOL from the Marines. She recounted this multiple times throughout our conversation, like when describing his ongoing legal troubles and history of petty crime. Like I said, he was already AWOL when we first met him. He just never went back. That's what he kept getting picked up for. Of course, hearing this took me back to the comments of the student's profile that connected the killer and his job as a trucker, with ongoing problems with authority. Does this not describe Jerry, this military dropout who spent most of his life AWOL from the military? Does this not describe him to a T? However, if the killer is choosing a job such as a truck driver, it shows that he does not do well with conforming to societal expectations of having an ever-present boss with lots of conformity to rules. So, this killer will most likely have been involved with serious relationships, including girlfriends, even long-term possibly even a But in spite of Jerry's secretive nature, his mantra of, ask me no questions, I'll tell you no lies, his capacity for violence, and all the rest of this, Phyllis does not believe he is a murderer. Because, like I said, if you met him, you'd have never, ever put none of that together. Of course. They say that's what happens anyways. You don't. But I don't know. They're real normal. Caring. He was a very caring person. He took care of us. He provided for us. He just had this deal thing. He just needed to make that money some way, somehow. That's just my opinion. But as far as murder, I don't know where that would come from. When we asked Phyllis what others close to Jerry might have to say about the possibility of him being a murderer, she said we could expect to hear them give a similar account. Because none of us really is going to have any help for you. They're all going to say the same thing. I mean, to us, Jerry was a good person. He cared about people. He cared about life. He cared about himself, really. But even Phyllis who loved Jerry to the end of his life and had to wonder if there was more to his story. While watching the news one day, she noticed an eerie resemblance between the victims of the redhead murders and herself. Of course, I had never seen the one chick they showed on Facebook. She's referring to Tina. Yeah, one of them. The dead one. I don't know how else to put it. Both of them looked a lot alike. Well, if you look at a couple of my old pictures that I have packed away here somewhere, we all look alike. 
Yeah, we all resembled. And I'm like, whoa, was he trying to kill me? Yeah, just stupid things run through your head. While Phyllis still finds it difficult to connect her husband, Jerry Johns, with Linda's attempted murder, the jury at Knoxville did not share her reservations. Johns was found guilty on felony assault with intent to commit first-degree murder, armed robbery, and aggravated kidnapping with a deadly weapon, with a side charge of reckless driving just for kicks. He was sentenced to 108 years in federal prison and died there in 2015. Next episode, we'll talk to former TBI agent David Davenport, who was involved in the Redhead murder investigation in the early 1980s, and who believes John's to be responsible for all but one of them. Davenport was the lead investigator in the case of Elizabeth Lamont. We'll also be talking with her older brother, Adam. Thanks for listening. See you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.